let me ask you, do you move well, eat well, and sleep well? Do you feel that modern medicine is looking out for your best interest? Do you know how to take care of your body so you can stay pain-free and in the activities you love? Do you know what options you have? If not, that's a problem, and this podcast is the answer. I'm Trevor Fulter, and welcome to the Green Bay Health Project Podcast. The Green Bay Health Project Podcast is sponsored by Movement, Performance, and Rehabilitation, where we help the athletes and active adults move better, perform better, stay pain-free, and in the sports and activities that they love. We do this by focusing on their movements and optimizing their mobility, stability, and strength. Your body is your greatest tool, and when you move better, you feel better, and you thrive. So head to movementgb.com, that's M-V-M-T-G-B.com, to learn how we can help you stay active and pain-free for life. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's Trevor with the Green Bay Health Project Podcast, and today we are talking with Angel Anderson, a holistic substance abuse counselor and certified emotion code practitioner um, at Infinite Healing right here in Green Bay. Um, Infinite Healing is pretty cool. I know there's a multitude of different things you guys are doing. So I'm super uh, interested in, in sitting down and talking with you um, and hearing more about what you do, especially on the holistic, like the substance abuse side of things. I think it's a totally appropriate time to sit down and talk with this, pick your brain a little bit and just kind of hear more about that. So Angel, I appreciate you coming on and, and talking with me. Thanks for having me, Trevor. I'm glad to be here. It'll be it'll be a good combo. You know, we we worked through the technical issues. <laughs> so yep, yep. I feel like I've been saying that more and more recently. Uh, never ideal, but I digress. Let's uh, hear a little bit more about you and kind of what brought you to doing what you're doing and kind of how you came to find infinite healing and how that's been going. Yeah. So. I have always been interested in addiction counseling. I am actually a recovering addict myself. I will have 16 years clean this November. Awesome. That's super dope. Congrats. Thanks. Yeah, it's it's a pretty big part of my life. And for most of my recovery, I've been pretty open. Mm -hmm. I feel like at this point in my recovery where I'm at, there's no reason for me not to share my success. You know, whether it be people judging me or people thinking differently of me when they hear it, that's something I'm totally over. Yeah. I'm, I'm over that right? because realistically, my success is something that's going to be more important to a lot of people out there right now that are struggling with substance abuse. Mm-hmm. So I was a substance abuse counselor for almost three years prior to being with Infinite Healing. I worked um, with opioid treatment primarily medication-assisted treatment, so methadone and suboxone. Um, And I loved what I did. I absolutely loved what I did, don't get me wrong. But I started to realize um, slowly that the traditional model is, is not working. There are places where the traditional medicine model in, in many aspects, not just addiction, but don't let, let's not get down that rabbit hole. Um, (laughs) We'll need days, but you know, the traditional model of addiction treatment, I slowly started to realize was not working. Um, The traditional model looks at drugs as the problem and they're not the problem. Drugs are the bandaid that a lot of people use for a multitude of problems, whether it's past trauma or um, mental health, uh, just 
generally feeling like they're not supported, grief, all of these things that people experience normally, you know, but then when people don't know how to cope with those things, they use drugs as a band-aid. So when we're looking at treating addiction and we're looking at drugs are the problem, let's remove the drugs, that seems like common sense to most people. But in reality, you can remove the drugs all you want, but if the problem's still there, that person is still going to need a Band-Aid. And everyone has issues that they want a Band-Aid. Let's be real. Social media, you know, food, excess working out. I mean, people think you can't work out too much. Yeah, you can. Mm -hmm. There's all of these things that our brains become addicted to, and we all work to find Band-Aids for them. And when you're predisposed to addiction, drugs become that Band-Aid. So going through... My career as a substance abuse counselor, I was like, how do we get to the root of this problem? How do we get to a point where we can actually treat the person and the things that they're going through and help them recover from their past and restore their present so that they can not have to utilize that Band-Aid? So long story short, I was at the point in my career where I was like, I need something different. I'm seeing all of these people struggling and what we're doing is not benefiting them as much as it could be. Um, and then I met Tiffany. She is the founder of Infinite Healing. She's amazing. She's a great um, person. She's awesome. She's just this bubbly, crazy <laughs> ball of energy and light and positivity. And it's that energy that just drew me to her. We actually met on LinkedIn of all places. Hey. Totally random. Yeah, that's a cool place. <laughs> I, I mean, I I rarely used it. And then it was at the point where I was like, oh, I'm going to get a LinkedIn because I'm kind of feeling like eh, maybe need a career change. Mm -hmm. So I commented on her post about one of the things that we utilize at Infinite Healing. And we got to talking. We did a Google Meet. Um, and she was talking about wanting to add to her practice, add more practitioners. Um, but it wasn't the right time. Well, within about 30 minutes after the Google Meet, she texted me. Can I hire you? <laughs> and that's how this all began. So Infinite Healing became like the, the beacon that I needed to move into this space, um, move into a place where I feel like holistically I can get to the root of the problem for not just people who are struggling with drug addiction, but people who are struggling with you know, negative self-image or communication issues. Um, so at Infinite Healing, we focus on the whole person. That is what makes us holistic in our eyes. You know, people think, what, what is holistic? What does that mean to be a holistic counselor? We still do all of the traditional things, all of the thing, the talk therapy, the, you know, the coping skills, teaching people ways to cope with their emotions. But we also look at every part of the person. So we look at the physical aspects. What are you eating? What parts of your body are not functioning optimally? How can we help you sleep better? How can we help you get to a point where your body feels like you're energetic? You're not lethargic. You don't have brain fog. Um, and then we look at the spiritual and energetic aspects. So that's where emotion code comes in. We look at where you have trapped energies that can cause emotional baggage to be kind of walled off and stuck. 
which can then lead to things like addiction or anxiety. Um, so really, our, our big premise is looking at the whole person, looking at every aspect of you to help you live your best. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's, I mean, kind of like we were talking beforehand, like Tiffany is awesome. And everything you guys are doing over there is, is super important because we can go down this rabbit hole. I'll do my best. <laughs> in the grand scheme of things with traditional med, like there's a time and place before it. Obviously, it's helped many people, but at the same time, it neglects majority of people and it, it comes up with a quick fix rather than trying to find that underlying issue. And therein lies the problem. They treat symptoms, they treat band-aids, but they don't treat the individual. And that's what's wrong with our medical field, traditional medical field. And that's why what you guys are doing is, is so incredibly important. And then especially from the substance abuse side of things, I can't even imagine what that looks like. Like that's kind of outside of my scope and like that's why it's super important to know people like yourselves because we can if if we feel this we can refer because you're the expert in that field and that i think just having that outside traditional medicine person is incredibly important because you, you can treat the problem but you can't if you can't treat the person you're never gonna get rid of the problem yeah and and like you said they look at a symptom Far too often, we go to a traditional medicine doctor and we look at, I'm feeling this one symptom. And that's what they look at. That's what they see and that's what they treat and that's what they try to diagnose. And oftentimes, I mean, you know, as a physical therapist, our bodies are so connected. Mm -hmm. I mean, you see people that have a problem with their neck and it can cause problems with their hips. You know, people don't think about how connected we are physically to all of the body parts. So our systems are interconnected too. our respiratory system and our cardiovascular system and our immune system. All of these things are connected. So one symptom might not necessarily be indicative of a problem with that particular system. It might be stemming from something else. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's where we utilize the Zytoscan. So, for anyone that's not familiar, the Zytoscan is, it is um, a biocommunication tool. So, it is a device that uses electrical impulses to take a biosurvey of your body. So, it is just a handheld device, doesn't hurt, um, doesn't electrocute you. Um, <laughs> it just, yeah, right. I know, scary system. It scans your body's systems for imbalances. So. Our bodies are energy. We are made of energy. So this system utilizes that and it scans your energy to see where it's out of balance. So we can look at things like your immune system, your gastrointestinal system, your respiratory system, your hormone and endocrine system. And we don't utilize this to diagnose, but what we do is we look for imbalances and then we have a system that's interconnected that suggests supplements um, or food products or things that can help bring your body back into balance. Um, a lot of times physical and emotional is interconnected. Yes. People don't realize how your emotions can affect your physical body. One good example that I like to give is when you have anxiety, your stomach hurts. People don't necessarily correlate emotions with physical reactions, but 
as someone with anxiety and as other people listening with anxiety, I'm sure they can relate. If you are really anxious, you get a stomachache. Your stomach's upset. That is a physical manifestation of an emotion. So we also look with that cytoscan at how your emotions might be affecting your physical body. So then we can work with you to get those imbalances back in physically. And then we can utilize the other aspects, um, emotion code, talk therapy, things like that to help get the emotional aspect back in balance as well. Yeah, that's awesome. It's so huge. And like myself, kind of what you had said, like I'm becoming more and more openly talking about this, but I mean, I've dealt with anxiety for as long as I can remember, like before I even knew like we were what it really was. And it was um, pretty gripping from like, I, I remember the very first date, like February of 2017 to basically August of 2019. It was like the worst. It just had me in its grips. And like, obviously I've, I've gone through things um, and learned to not combat it, but realize what it is, what's happening and attack it that way. But I do know that in times of high stress, high anxiety, um, when it comes to workouts, I'm, my, my low back is always at a higher risk of something happening. And it's like, I have to alter my training a little bit around that time. Um, simply because I know that there's a higher chance of me kind of hurting the low back again when I'm at levels of higher anxiety or higher stress times. And it's super interesting, um, based off of everything you just said, because people don't realize that, that like this can cause those issues. And we have conversations like that with people all the time. Like, Hey, we don't, we don't want this to sound like the wrong way. I mean, no disrespect, but we don't feel that this is a physical issue. Um, and we feel it's more of the emotional side of things, which is then out of our range when we refer. It's, it's important for people to know that, but it's also important for professionals like ourselves to identify when that's happening and know the appropriate steps to take action for the good of that person. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, people... People don't, they're not super mindful of how their emotions affect their physical bodies. But when I give people examples of things, they're like, oh, I guess I never thought about that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and even things like energy being contagious or energy being transferable. I mean, I'm sure everyone can relate to someone in their life who just genuinely has that positive, good energy. And when you're around them, you feel good. Yes. You know, or when you have that, like, you meet someone and you're like, ooh, I've got that, like, icky, weird feeling in my stomach. Like, this person has some sort of challenges in their energy going on. You know, we don't think about those things because it's just second nature for, like, those to be natural. So when we talk about energy healing, people are like, ooh, that sounds a little woo woo to me a little out there and i'm like but if you think about it in these very concrete examples that are obviously visible in everyday life um then people are a little bit more like huh okay that makes sense you know it makes sense that that energy is contagious and that it can affect your physical body Mm -hmm. um but like you said knowing who who your people are who your resources are to be able to say this is not my scope of practice this is not my area of expertise Mm -hmm. um and being able to say hey i have these people that i trust that's super important in our business oh yeah incredibly it's like put the ego aside because ultimately it's not your life it's somebody else's life you're trying to help and so 
I, I don't know. I have, I have issues with people that don't view it that way. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a combo for another day. Right. Um, so uh, I have like a couple, I have some questions um, that I'm genuinely curious about. So from like, you've said a couple of things that I want to circle back to. Um, and the first one is, which I thought was really interesting. And I want people to understand is that when I feel, and this is just my opinion is when people think of addictions, they think like drugs, alcohol. Now you kind of alluded to that. There are other addictions that people can have where they view it as, Oh, Hey, this is good for me, but it's like too much of a good thing becomes a bad thing. So like, what are some of those additional addiction addictions that you see? And does that change how you kind of work with somebody? Like, obviously I'm sure there's different avenues based on what the issue is, but I'm curious. Yeah, absolutely. So my big thing, um, so being an addict myself, I see a lot of, you know, people talk about how there's that addict mentality or that um, personality trait or that, you know, physical gene that makes people an addict. I'm doing air quotes. No one can see me, but <laughs> um, right. So, you know, I see that I see that aspect in myself and I'm more aware of that now, which is a huge thing in addiction is being aware, being aware of your triggers, being aware of that aspect of yourself and how you can nurture that aspect of yourself in a positive way. Because for me, it was tough in the beginning. I was like, okay, what can I fill this void with? Mm. And that's what a lot of people do. People quit smoking, they start to eat, they gain weight. You know, it's pretty common in that aspect. I went to exercise, which great, awesome. Exercise is great. We all want to be physically healthy, we all want to be strong. Um, but then there's that addict mentality that takes it to the extreme where it's working out three, four or five hours a day, six days a week, that's not healthy. We live in a society where we have an instant gratification mindset. We want instant gratification. We want good things and we want them now. And that's great because we all deserve good things in our life. But when we get into that headspace of instant gratification, anything can become an addiction. You know, we were addicted to social media. I will openly say there are so many times where I'm scrolling Facebook and I'm like, why? Why am I even on here? Don't even realize you're doing it. Yeah. What, what am I doing? I'm looking at the same stupid crap, right. TikTok videos or whatever it may be. Yeah. You know, I mean, I can say probably the majority of society is addicted to social media. Yeah. And why? Because we have that instant gratification with it. We have things at our fingertips that we wouldn't normally have because of social media. Mm-hmm. We have filters. We can post things that look really good. We can pick and choose how we show ourselves to people. We can actually work to control how people perceive us Mm. because we have that. And that's a huge part of addiction is perception, how people Mm. perceive us. That's, That's really interesting. Going off of that. Do you think I hate filters? I hate (laughs) on it because we have to be. Um, But have you seen an uptick in cases like like that simply because I mean, social media is the fakest place you could ever be. Like nobody posts the struggles of their day. They take a filtered picture in a awesome looking place. And that's where people like compare themselves to. And 
when in reality it's like hey that person could have had the worst 11 and a half hours of the day but for 20 minutes they worked on the perfect picture and oh god it's maddening do you have you seen like an uptick in that especially since like post everything that's gone on yeah so if you think about the prevalence of um adolescent mental health you know when i i mean i'm going to age myself here but in the early 90s when i was a teenager you didn't hear a lot about and maybe it was just the lack of communication due to not having social media but in my eyes i think the prevalence of adolescent mental health can be directly linked to social media because like you said people don't see the whole person their perception is skewed they see this perfect picture this perfect family you know all of these things and then they think wow my life is awful or wow i need to raise myself to that standard and especially with teenagers and kids nowadays seeing all of these things and perceiving them as normal can lead to a lot of anxiety. That's a lot of pressure to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And then kids look at that and go, I'm not that. They're stressed. They're depressed. They're anxious. And then also, even just looking at phones, I mean, in the physical aspect, the prevalence of ADHD, well, yeah, we're looking at phones and computer screens all day. Mm -hmm. There's far too much stimulation Mm -hmm. and people are not truly connecting with the outside world. So why wouldn't they be? Why wouldn't they have deficits in attention? Right. Yeah, no kidding. And I think I think it's a bigger issue than people want to. I don't necessarily know if it's acknowledge because everybody does it. It's like the kids are doing it, but the parents can't yell at the kids because at night the parents are doing it. So it's it's what do you, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's the worst thing that that happened. Like I think about my childhood and what I see kids doing now. It's like man, I was always outside doing something active even if i was inside it was like legos or building something or like whatever it was minimal tv time yeah yeah we my husband and i actually talk about that a lot and i talk about that a lot with um with clients too you know just the things that they expose themselves to and their families to because yeah it's it's societal norm right now to filter your pictures and post all of your successes and talk about your wins and be positive and be uplifting. And that's great. I'm all about positive energy. I'm all about lifting people up and, you know, pumping people up. But in reality, if we are not finding that balance between showing our struggles and our challenges and how we overcome them with just showing the wins once we do overcome them, then people don't understand the steps in between. And that's really what we're about is helping you see the steps in between because people show the outcome far too much. And then people see that outcome and they're like, I can't do it. Yeah. No, you can. Let us show you the steps in between where you are now and where you want to be because it's possible. It just takes work and we don't see that work. We don't see that work on social media. We see the outcome. Yeah. Right. For sure. Um, and you know, again, going, building off that, something you had said earlier is that like the addiction, regardless of what it is, is typically, um, a cover for something else. So when somebody is, cause I, 
I personally can't speak to this, but I, I can only imagine how difficult that first step is to take to start one acknowledging that like, Hey, I've got a problem. And then two doing something about it. Um, what does that look like when someone comes to you and you start to kind of unpack some of this stuff? So, yeah, I mean, I think any addict truly knows that they have a problem. Mm-hmm. I, I see so many people say, well, they don't know they have a problem. Yes, they do. But they don't want to, like you said, acknowledge that they have a problem because that's acknowledging that they're covering up something that they don't want to deal with. Oftentimes, it's, it's trauma or inadequacy or perceived inadequacy. Let's put it that way, because I don't think anyone's truly inadequate. It's how they perceive themselves. Mm. Um, so things like trauma, getting your basic needs not met is something super simple that I see turn into addiction. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're homeless or you don't have food or you don't have shelter, you don't have positive support in your life, you're turning to something else to make you feel good. So when people come to me, the biggest thing I try to do is get to know them. It sounds so simple, but I just want to get to know you, everything, your flaws, your perceived flaws, your successes, your challenges, your likes, your dislikes, your family life, how you grew up. All of these small things are a really good way for me to dig a little bit deeper and figure out what they are using that Band-Aid for. Mm-hmm. Like so that. That, that's the biggest thing. I want to get to know you as a person. I want to, and that's part of the reason I, I transitioned into this space because I want time. I want to match your energy. I want to sit with you and look you in the eyes and get to know you. And in the traditional model, a lot of times, it's not like that. Not it's paperwork and time limits and insurance constraints and all of these other things that are like, okay, here's this tiny little box I have to stuff you in. And these are the things that we can talk about. And this is how we have to do it. And that doesn't work. We're people. We're all so different. And in this space, I can embrace that. I can say who you are and what you are. You can come to me and we can figure out time, money, all of these things. They don't matter. We come in and we work with your constraints, with your strengths, all of these things. And I get to truly get to know people so that I can help them, not help in a way that someone else thinks I should help, Mm -hmm. but help them in a way that I know is really going to nurture their spirit and help them become themselves again. Because that's really what addiction treatment is about. It's not about fixing you. It's not about fixing a problem. It's helping you get back to who you're meant to be. I love that. That's, that's huge. This is something I don't, I mean, very few people know this um, outside of Erica and then obviously my family, but my cousin, um, it's, you know, she was a few years older than me. So, I mean, I'm 34. She was probably, I think she was six years or so older than me. Um, growing up, we were really close. But uh, she, her mom was an alcoholic. Uh, So she was with my family a lot, you know, growing up. Um, At one point, the talk of adoption was happening. Um, Her mom cleaned up enough to to get her back. And, uh, you know, obviously just fell right back into it. Um, And then my cousin, when she was a teenager, lived with us again for a couple of years. And the deal was she had kind of gotten into some 
um, drugs, not alcohol, but drugs. And the deal was like, Hey, you clean up, you get a job. We're here for you. You're like, you're our family. We're going to help you. And, uh, she ended up kind of breaking that. She was good for two, three years, fell back into it. Um, and then we ended up, she ended up overdosing in, um, the like mid 2000s, 2010, 2011 part, but her, her, like thing was always, I'm not my mom. I'm not an alcoholic. Like I don't have a problem because I'm not my mom. And to us, it was like, okay, there, there is an issue, but she was so, so like adamant about I'm different. I don't have a problem. I'm not my mom. Um, but on the other side of things, like there's a whole different set of issues. And I think nobody ever took the time, like looking back and kind of, kind of thinking what you were saying. I don't know if anybody really ever took the time to ask like what the bigger issue was or like what she felt she needed to help because I mean she had a guy like a boyfriend that is now um, the dad of all the kids and like really great guy has just kind of really stepped up after she passed but I don't know if anybody really ever did that for her like thinking back it's like maybe maybe my parents did and I just I was young I didn't realize it but I think that's huge. That's the missing link is just being treated like a person. Yeah. And a lot of times in the beginning, people don't know what the problem is. And that's part of the reason why I say I just, I let them talk and I let them feel heard and I get to know them and I ask them questions about themselves because oftentimes, even in addiction treatment in the traditional model, they don't feel like we're truly trying to get to know them as a person. They feel like we're trying to get to know their addiction. Okay. What are your habits? What are your triggers? What are your coping skills? All of these things. That's not who you are. So oftentimes people, they'll say, I don't know how it started. I don't know what the problem is. I don't know where this came from. And when I get to know them and I slowly say, okay, I'm hearing you say that your mother was an alcoholic. Your mother left you to your own devices. Your mother didn't raise you. That must have made you feel alone. And then they get back to the like, yeah, I felt really alone. And I still feel alone. Mm-hmm. And when I use, I don't feel alone. Or when I use, I feel more confident in myself to maybe be more open with other people. You know, there's so many different things that we find out through just getting to know someone. And, and that's really the key because a lot of times they don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just second nature to them, especially when we live in a trauma space, like dealing with alcoholic parents. Um, you know, I had a father who was an alcoholic. He is no longer, thank goodness. And when I was a kid, I don't ever think that I would have thought that my dad would be one of my best friends because it was such a volatile space. And now he is. He's awesome. We we play Jeopardy together and um I beat him all the time, though he'll never admit it. <laughs> but you know, when you live in that space, it's normal. And you don't realize how all of those things affect your energy and affect you emotionally because you try to protect yourself because you're always in fight or flight mode. Mm. Um and then your body, it walls off. It, it blocks off any positive things because it's like, no, no, I need to protect myself. And that gets to a point where then you don't even know what your emotions are. And that's a big part of what we find is a lot of people don't 
truly think about their emotional experiences or their emotional challenges and how those things are affecting their daily life. We feel an emotion, you know, grief. We lose someone. We, we cope with it. We deal with it. We slowly move on through the stages of grief. And then, you know, it's over which we all know grief is, is truly never over, but it's something that's, you know, it's maybe in the back of our mind. Maybe we get reminders of it. Maybe, you know, a song or something reminds you of that person and you kind of feel that feeling again, but it's always there. So when we don't deal with those emotions, when we don't work to release those emotions, they are still affecting your physical and your energetic body. So that's one of the things that we really work to do is to find those deeper emotions. And sometimes we'll find emotions that are people like, oh my gosh, this happened when I was eight and I didn't realize that it's been affecting me for this whole time. And that's part of just what builds us into who we are is all of those experiences, those emotions, they make us who we are. So once we get to know that person on a deeper level, we can help them kind of put those pieces back into place so that they can figure out what am I, what am I trying to fix? What am I putting a bandaid on? And how can I either do that in a healthy way? Because sometimes, I mean, trauma is always there. It's always there. We, we just have to re- figure out how to do it in a positive way or in a healthy way. Um, and that's really what it's all about. It's just figuring out how to overcome those challenges in a healthy way. That's awesome. And then um, is that where emotion code kind of fits into all of this? Can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah. So the emotion code is a form of energy healing. So essentially we are reading an energetic code from your body. Um, I don't know if anyone's familiar with Reiki or, you know, things like that. It's similar to where we read your energy. Um, through muscle testing, and we find trapped emotions within your body. Um, and the muscle testing tells us what your energy is telling us. Your energy gives us a signature that says, this is the emotion that we have trapped. Um, we can find out where it's trapped sometimes. We can find out what age it was trapped at. And then we work to use your body's energy field to release that emotion. Okay. Um, I, I have another follow-up, um, which I think is good for other practitioners to know, like, like us, I'm, I'm selfishly thinking of myself. Um, but I think for other practitioners and just the average person, what are some signs that someone may be struggling with an addiction that they're just not talking about that we can um, look out for or possibly identify and then to follow that what would be the best way to potentially lead someone on the path of getting some help so as far as signs i would say um personality changes um people becoming really withdrawn um people avoiding everyday tasks you know sleeping all the time or not answering their phone um being super standoffish, um, being angry or irritable, or even just little things like you see them hiding things or being super secretive. Um, 
you know, people always ask for signs. What should I have looked for? I didn't see it. But in reality, I think most people do see it. They just want to avoid a confrontation, Mm -hmm. which I get. It's tough. You never want to confront somebody you love and, and point out their challenges or perceived faults. That's not an easy thing to do. I would say for them to get help, the number one thing I tell people when they come to me and say, I don't want to be an addict anymore. For one, once an addict, always an addict. I hate to say that because it sounds so negative, but I'm 16 years clean and I know I'm still an addict. I still have things that enter my life that I have to take a step back and go, this is getting too much, Angel. You, you need to be mindful of where this is leading. And it's not even drugs or alcohol. It's things like food, macro tracking. Hey, you don't have to weigh every gram of your food, Angel. You're getting obsessive. Um, but you will always have some part of you that's going to move towards how can I fix this? which is human nature. We want, we want to fix our challenges. Um, So with that addict mentality, there's always a possibility of your fixing becoming obsessive. And two, the biggest way to recover from addiction is to decide you want to change. That person has to decide they want to change. I have seen time and time again, people be court ordered to come to addiction treatment it does not work if they don't want it. If someone doesn't genuinely want to change, they're not going to. And that's hard because, I mean, I can't imagine what my parents dealt with with me and my addiction because I have three kids. Thinking about if they were in the position that I was in, yeah, I would want to push them into every option and possibility to get them the help they need. But I know that it doesn't matter if I want them to change. Mm -hmm. They have to want to change. Mm -hmm. So the biggest thing is just being a support, continuing to let someone know I'm here and I'm here unconditionally. I will not judge you because that's the biggest thing. As addicts, they want to withdraw because they're like, this person's going to judge me. This person's going to try to force me to get help. This person's going to tell me what I should and shouldn't be doing. And they don't want that. So be a support. Tell someone, I am here for you unconditionally. I love you. I want what's best for you. I will always want what's best for you. I'm here for you. Because that little piece, that unconditional piece, really, when someone then gets to the point where they're like, I think I want to change, they know who to go to. Mm -hmm. They know who's going to be there to say, okay. Let's figure it out then. If they don't have that, it's a lot harder. Social support is huge in addiction. And that's part of the reason why I love the space I'm in because I can be that person more so than I could in the traditional model. I can be that person that's like, I'm your person. I'm here. In the traditional model, it's like, I'm your person for an hour. You know, The support piece is huge. So just being that person, telling them you're there. And then when they want to change, you're going to be a part of that and it's going to feel good. That's awesome. That's awesome. You can tell that 
this is the right fit for you. Just <laughs> off of what you're saying, what you're, what you're doing, it's, it's meaningful work and it's necessary and need, much needed work. So like, thank you for doing it. Cause we need more, more of that. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. It's, it's close to my heart for sure. And you know, big things are coming at infinite healing. We're really, really working on getting a lot more modalities that are accessible. We want to just be that place that people can say, I need something different and I know where to go. And, and so we're really working on a lot of good things for support, a lot of good things that are easily accessible, you know, in this day and age, people can't always come to an office for a two hour appointment or a one hour appointment. So we're really working on being accessible, you know, soon we should be offering some group things, um, some zoom support things, you know, all sorts of new things coming that we're really hoping are going to help the community just feel like they're supported. It's perfect. It's needed. So that's awesome. Yeah. What you guys are doing, like truly, truly believe in it. And I mean, we're just happy to be on the outside watching it. It's, it's awesome to kind of see how it all started, where it's all going and all piecing together. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to be a part of it. I really, truly feel blessed that the universe um, put me and Tiffany together. And I feel like this is where I'm meant to be. Our tagline is you belong here. And I really do feel like I belong here. It's good. That's awesome. Is there anything else you want us to know? Um, no, not really. I mean, just, you know, our website, infinitehealingcenter.org. Um, yeah, you know, it, it tells all about all of our practitioners. Um, we've, we've been adding people to the team, you know, all of our right. services that we offer, you know, sign up for our email list. We'll, we're sending out info on all the new things that should be in the works here soon. Um, and just know that we're here. We're here and we're here for support. And we're just bringing new things that can truly help heal the whole person. Awesome. Awesome. It's good work. Keep it up. It's awesome. Um, okay. So I've got a few like ending questions for you then. The, the first one, um, what, what's your favorite health related book? And by health, I say that very loosely. <laughs> so one of my favorites is called The Body Keeps the Score. Oh, yeah, somebody else just told me about that. Yeah, it's by Bessel van der Kolk, but mm-hmm. it talks about how your body holds trauma and how trauma can affect your body. And when I say trauma, a lot of people think, I don't have trauma. I don't have abuse or domestic violence or addiction. Trauma, everyone has trauma. There's so many simple things that our body perceives as trauma. So that book is really good at explaining different types of trauma and how our body reacts to those and how we can work to move through that trauma. It's awesome. Yeah. You, somebody recently told me about that and I just, I have to order it now. Um, we're working through some books, but I'm going to check that one out for sure. What's your favorite uh, health-related activity to do in the Green Bay area? That would be CrossFit. Um, I figured you were going to say that. (laughs) Yeah. So CrossFit Green Bay has a great Saturday morning free class for the community. It's something that I've always really cherished about CrossFit Green Bay because they truly are a community. They're a family. As a military spouse, when we moved here, I was like, awesome. You know, this is a community similar to the military community that just genuinely takes care of its own. So that's something I really enjoy. You know, they 
They cater to all levels. There's a good community aspect there. You can go get a good sweat on 8.15 in the morning, get your Saturday started out right. But CrossFit something that not only helps me physically and emotionally, but it really gave me that community support that I needed when I moved to a new city. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's, it's powerful, isn't it? Like finding a community to be a part of. I think yeah. everybody needs that. That's something I've realized almost as I age or get older, the importance of community. Like I never, I used to like working out by myself and now I'm like, I just, there's something about being with a group of people that are just getting after it. Yes. Agreed. It's super cool. Um, and last, last question. So what's a piece of advice that you would give to somebody that's looking to incorporate a different lifestyle? Maybe it can be across like very vague, but just trying to live like a little healthier um, lifestyle. I would say for me, it's emotional intelligence. People talk so much about the physical, which is great. Yeah. Move your body, nourish your body with good foods, get sunlight, which we know is difficult coming up here in the winter season. But being aware of your emotions and how they affect your mood, how they affect, like you said, your workouts, how they affect what you want to eat, what you want to put in your body, and how you want to communicate with those people around you. Because being aware of those emotions can help us become more aware of how they affect us, not only physically, but overall. So we can say, whoa, I need to take a step back. I'm feeling this emotion and it's causing me to act in this way. And I know that's not my normal self. So just work on being emotionally aware. Feel those emotions. So many people are like, I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to do that. We're so fast paced and we're so into instant gratification that we don't want to take a a pause and feel how we're feeling. And I think everyone can benefit from taking those mindful pauses and just saying, how am I feeling right now? And how is it going to affect my day? And how can I reframe that if it's negative or if it's challenging? How do I reframe that into something positive so I can move forward in a healthy way? Yeah, that's perfect. Angel, this was awesome. I thoroughly appreciate your time. And this conversation was phenomenal. So like, thank you. Honestly, thank you. Thank you for having me. I, I was nervous. I'm, I'm going to admit it to everybody out there. I, I was really nervous. I asked my husband, I said, what do you think he's going to do if I puke when we're recording? He goes, oh, he'll edit that out. It's fine. Nope. No edit. <laughs> so I was nervous, but I am super grateful for you allowing me the time and to come into your space to talk about what we do and just to have a good conversation. So yeah, thank you, Trevor. For sure. For sure. Um, and if people want to contact you, hit up infinitehealingcenter.org. Correct. That's the best way to contact us. Perfect. Okay. Angel, thank you again. Uh, Really appreciate it. Thanks, Trevor. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next time. If you would like more information about us at Movement Performance and Rehab or information on one of our guests, or if you have a contact that would be a good guest for this podcast, please send us an email at info at mvmtgb.com. That's info at movementgb.com.